Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Brendan Kumarasamy, and he is the founder of Master Talk. We're focused on some great advice for learning better speaking and communication skills. What an awesome conversation. So much cool stuff to learn. And by the way, before you go, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmoletto.com slash reviews and left a review for the podcast. Could you do that for me? It's really simple. You go there, you click on where it says leave a review and, uh, and just do it right there. Just write. That'd be so awesome. The, the other way you can leave a review is by going to you know amazon music spotify uh, um, apple podcasts uh, iheart radio pandora um, all those different places like that and you could you could leave it that way on your podcast platform um it'd be so cool if you did that could you thanks so much you are awesome enjoy the show it's the education podcast your favorite show with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know so crank it up the tin and let your neighbors know that here's another show with dr steve Milletto. teaching learning leading k-12 teaching learning leading k-12 teaching learning leading k-12 ah ah with dr steve Milletto. Brendan Kumarasamy is the founder of MasterTalk. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called MasterTalk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. Brendan, this is going to be an awesome talk today. Thanks for joining me and uh, great to have you on the show. Say hi to everyone. Steven, the pleasure is absolutely mine. It's great to be on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, it's great to have you here. And, uh, you know, this is something that uh, I... I've always needed more uh, talk, you know, and helping my communication strategies and techniques and so forth. And I think everybody has a little bit about it. But what I'd like to to get you to do first is, is let's talk about why you created Master Talk. I mean, what was the original inspiration for it? Absolutely, Stephen. So for me, the the journey started in college, university. I went to business school to be an accountant of all things. Funny enough, and that's what I thought I was going to do with my life. But what happened? was I started competing in these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age are playing rugby or cricket or golf or basketball, I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak, Stephen. But then as I got older, I started coaching the students in university so that they can communicate their ideas more effectively to the world. And I mostly did it just to help them win competitions, but I accidentally developed a talent in coaching other people on how to speak. So then a few years after that, I had the idea for the YouTube channel Master Talk because I felt, wait a second, everything that I'm sharing with them isn't really available for free on the internet. So I just started making videos in my mom's basement and it turned into something I never could have imagined. That's so awesome. That's so cool. And I got to tell you, you about made me laugh out loud when you said that type of competitions that you were, you were focusing on. So that's good stuff. I mean, especially because the tr type of training that it, uh, that it gave to you just simply by participating and, and competing is, uh, that's incredible uh, competition, especially because, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you is, yeah, do you think that many people fear talking in public? I mean, why or why not? Why do you think this is a concern that a lot of people have? For sure, Stephen. So I definitely feel that a lot of people are scared of speaking. But what's often misunderstood that you asked really well about is why is this even the case? Where, where does this fear even come from? And the answer is actually the education system. Think about it. Whether we live in the U.S. or Canada or any other country around the world, where we, do we learn how to speak in a formal way? 
And the answer is high school. It's middle school. You go up in front of a classroom. Teacher says you need to give a presentation on history. And that's where your communication journey technically begins. But all of those presentations, Stephen, have three fundamental problems. Number one is they're all mandatory. You don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, Stephen, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody says that. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is you're generally never allowed to present something you're extremely passionate about. So it's never, hey, Stephen, what do you love to talk about? Do you want to talk about media or speaking or, you know, education or personal growth? Now, you got to talk about Shakespearean poetry. And then after you're done that, you got to talk about the Renaissance. So it's not necessarily something you like. And then finally, number three, which is the worst thing, is every single presentation, Stephen, it's tied to a punishment. So if you don't do a great job, you get punished for it. You lose your grades. Your dreams don't come true. And this cycle gets repeated in history, in French, in music, in Spanish class, in English class, in gym class, over and over again, so that we eventually believe as a society that communication is a chore and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. That is so awesome and right on the money. I mean, as a as a former history teacher, one of the things I used to do, <laughs> I used to require kids to speak. Now, I, I, it was a very simple grade, all right? It wasn't based upon how well. It was based upon that you did it, all right? Because I was like, I wanted to take that variability out of it. And I still had problems getting kids to who, I, I would eventually make it so that nobody was allowed to be in the room. Because I, I controlled, if you, if you tried to heckle anybody, you weren't going to be able to to do it any further. It was going to take off from your grade. And, but I had some kids who I just literally had to clear the room and it would just be in front of myself and another teammate, another adult teammate. And they would talk to us, but it was my whole reason for having it though, was because the first time I really spoke in front of a group where it mattered was I was a second Lieutenant in the army. I was signal Corps and we were doing these war games and I had a very angry infantry general <laughs> sitting in front of me. And he told me when he got up, now I'll, I'll eliminate the very colorful language that he used <laughs> and just said, you know, we were unable to, we were having problems with the signal shot and um, they were the artillery and the armor and the infantry were having trouble talking with each other. And we were out in the middle of the desert over near, Fort, uh, Fort Bliss, Texas, and Fort Huachuca, Arizona, and, and some parts in New Mexico. And um, he said, he, he said to me, he goes, uh, I, want, I want to know what you're doing, and I want to know what's going on, and, uh, um, and I want you to figure this out. And he said, and if you tell me anything about sunspots, I'm, <laughs> he goes, I'm going to have your hide. And so just as a note, that was my first time speaking, and I'm a second lieutenant in the army, uh, really speaking, because I had some of those presentations and classes and stuff. But, you know, I pretty much thought, well, this is going to be my career, <laughs> um, depending on what I do. But that's why I added it to my classes, because, you know, it'd be nice not to have your career on the line when you have to speak to someone who's upset. Um, and it's funny, though, that you mentioned that, because a lot of times you're so right on the money, because a lot of times there's all these big grades attached to it or something like this. And, and plus, you're talking in front of all the kids and you're like, they're, you know, a little different than an audience that's uh, either paid to come see you or uh, that knows not to heckle. So <laughs> I love that. That's good stuff what you're talking about. And I, I think you're so right. Uh, so what do you think is the biggest challenge with public speaking? For sure, Stephen. And thanks for sharing that story. Love that. I would say for me, the, the challenge, a lot of people think it's fear. I don't think it's fear. I'll, I'll tell you why. 
the reason is because think about everything we've accomplished in our life. Getting married, asking somebody on a date, going to college, applying for a job, something else difficult, running a marathon. Did we do any of these things? Buying a home no, with zero fear? Of course not. Every single thing that we've done in our life had some level of fear. So why did we do it? The reason we didn't was because the motivation to do the thing exceeded the fear. The motivation of not being alone made us ask the person on the date. The motivation of not being broke made us get the first job. And that's really the key. So the problem is motivation. We're not motivated to work on our communication skills. We don't have consistency. We don't have an easy formula to follow to actually see results really quickly. What does that look like, Stephen? So let me make it super simple. Is for me, communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, right? So one of those balls is body language, one of them is storytelling, one of them is eye contact, but it can get really confusing for people because if you try and juggle all 18, all of them fall to the ground. So for me, the question has simply been, what is the first ball to juggle? What's the easiest one? And the easiest one for me is the random word exercise. Pick a word like phone, like xylophone, like a light bulb or couch and create random presentations out of thin air. And if you do that every day for 60 seconds, you'll get way better at speaking. What great advice. I love that. that that's, you know, and to, and to uh, practice that, uh, um, very smart. <laughs> uh, 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 good stuff. I mean, so... Tell me just a, a little bit about, uh, you know, one of the things I've heard you talk about is understanding that the importance of pace when you're speaking um, plays a pretty good sized role. Could you kind of talk to that a little bit? Absolutely. So, so one misconception around pacing, Stephen, is that we need to just speak slower. That's not necessarily true. That's true for many of us, though, because many of us, when we have dinner with somebody, we don't speak like this. We don't speak really quickly, but we're in a presentation setting. A lot of us speak fast so that we can get in and get out of the presentation as quickly as possible. Whereas the dinner that we have with a friend, we're not trying to run out of that dinner as quickly as possible. So we take our time. Where we take our time to enjoy the moment. So how does this now apply into my advice with pacing? My advice is really simple. The best speakers in the world speak slowly and quickly at the same time. What does that mean? What that means is, I'll, I'll just give you a quick example. Let's say we take a sentence like John loves apples. He eats one every day to keep the doctor away. Okay, so if you start too quickly, John eats apples, he has one every day to keep the doctor away, people don't understand. But if you're too slow as well, John eats apples, he has one every day to keep the doctor away. You don't want to listen to it either. So the answer is actually doing both, like so. John eats apples, he has one every day to keep the doctor away. So notice how I'm going quickly and slowly. So that's how you master pace, but focus on getting slower first. Love it. That is such awesome advice. That's one of the things that, you know, it, you're so right, too. I mean, it's, it's like there's nothing worse than going to one that, that the pace is so slow that uh, you're like, you know, I don't know, but I think we're moving a little faster than grass grows or something. And then, you know, and then, and then if you're talking, and then you got someone who might speak so fast that you have, you just were thinking about what they just said a second ago, but now they're on three more points forward. And uh, what a, I love it. That's good stuff. I, so, all right. So let's talk about something else I've heard you talk about. You know, one of the things I've heard you mention is that people might receive some advice that you really don't think is good advice, and that's fake it until you make it. I was wondering if you could talk about that for just a minute. 
For sure, Stephen. And there's so much bad advice out there. I think that's what motivated me to even start Master Talk. But yeah, fake it till you make it. Here, here's the the compromise I'll make. Fake it till you make it is good advice for a very small percentage of the population. So people in theater. People in acting careers. And the reason is because it's their job and they gain enjoyment out of being a persona that they're not. But unfortunately, most of us are not comfortable pretending to be a different version of ourselves. That's why fake it till you make it is not good advice because it just doesn't apply to the majority. Somebody might hear it, but then they won't actually do it. So how do we find a better version of this? For me, it's more about face it until you make it. Keep working towards an objective until you gain the confidence necessary to be successful. I'm a great example of this. I was fairly young, and I sound fairly young, right when I started MasterTalk. I think I started the channel when I was 22. I started coaching. I was 19. I started coaching CEOs of big companies who were double my age, and I was probably 23 or 24. So was it about me faking it? Maybe. But I don't think that's the big part here. I think the big message is it's kind of like if a billionaire hired a piano teacher. Is the billionaire really successful? Absolutely. But the piano teacher knows more about piano than the billionaire does. It doesn't matter what accolades that person has. The piano teacher just knows more. So it's the same thing with me. My clients, the people I work with, the people who watch my YouTube videos, I can pretty much tell you, Stephen, most of them are smarter than I am in pretty much any area of life, right? Whether it's personal life, relationships, health. But there's one thing, just one thing that I'm a little bit better than everyone else who listens to me. And that's communication. So that's what expertise means for me, being one step ahead of the next person. So when I do the random word exercise, the reason I have confidence in telling the people I work with to do the random word exercise once a day or twice a day or five times a day, it's because I've done it 3,000 times, literally. That's why I have the confidence, not because I faked it till I made it. I love that. You know, just as a note, I mean, way back when that story I told you about the, the general and so forth, you know, it uh, it had a great outcome because I did the right thing, but I just kind of guessed what maybe I should do. But right before he showed up, um, someone who I sought advice from from time to time leaned over to me and he said, look, if you know, we can't because we couldn't figure out what was causing the problem. We were making these uh, something was interfering with the signal and we could not figure it out. And I had experts working on all doing all kinds of things. And so the guy leans over to me and he says, look. These infantry people, they, they buy this all the time. Just tell them that we have a problem with solar flare activity and that uh, that'll get you out of this one. And so when he said to me during when he walked up and he said, if you tell me something about solar flares, you know, he looked me straight in the eye and he said it very softly. And I can't repeat the words he said. This is a family show. <laughs> But, you know, I, I looked over at the guy who told me that. He goes, he just shook his head and he kind of his shoulders and moved them and said, oh, well. And, and so I told him, I said, uh, you know, sir, I, I said, I just want you to understand we are working on this. I have my top people working on it, but we have not been able to figure out what the problem is. And uh, he looked at me and he said, LT, he goes, I appreciate you telling me the truth. Because if you told me something, anything other than that, I would have just really eaten your lunch. And uh, he said, you fix it. And I expect to be able to just stay in touch with me. And he took off and was gone and we fixed it eventually. But my point is, is that, you know, I could have tried to fake it until I make it. And that whole stuff about the solar flare would have been all about that. <laughs> and I think I would have had a really bad day if I had done that. <laughs> so I love your advice. I wish I had had you around. Because <laughs> I had to give lots of those little talks to people who had a lot more rank than I did. Um, good stuff. And we do this in our world. I mean, if you think about lots of, what people, you know, 
I mean, not everybody. My my world's education. Teachers talk all the time in front of people, whether they know it or not. I mean, because some teachers or some will will tell you, "Oh, I don't like talking in front of people." It's like you do it all the time. You talk. Well, those are kids. Yeah. Well, what? No, come on. And uh, so, just the communication um, skills and developing them. I, I love the advice you got um, that we're talking about. So, good stuff. Uh, you know, one of the things that happened not so long ago was we had this little thing called. COVID happened, and uh, education especially went to the world of online um, um, teaching and so forth, and lots of people did. I have a friend who was a magician. He had to figure out how to do magic online, and I, I've, I've had other people. Yeah, this is a great story, by the way. I, had, uh, I have other people who uh, I've known who had, to, who had to get into this, this webinar world um, more than they had ever done that before. So do you have some advice about helping someone be better at presenting online? Absolutely, Stephen. So there's three parts of being a great speaker online. There's three key differences. The first one is eye contact. So when you're in person, you generally want to move your body around to look at the different people in the room. Whereas when you're online, whether you're speaking to one or 10,000 people, your life's a little easier, but it's a bit awkward when you get started. You're only supposed to look in one direction, which is the camera lens. When you look at the camera lens directly, you give the illusion that you're looking at everyone directly in their eyes. So that's the first key difference is just look at the lens. Number two is energy. Let's face it, Stephen. It's a lot easier to shop with energy when you're in person versus online. And the reason is really simple because of accountability. When you're in person, you have to get up in the morning. You have to take a shower. You're not allowed to wear sweatpants. You get to hug people. You get to give them high fives. So it's a lot easier for you to show up because they're there. They're reacting to you in real time. Whereas when you're alone in a basement online, it's really difficult for you to show up with that same level of accountability. Like I'm still wearing sweatpants for this show, right? It's just nobody knows because they only see the top. So even when you're committed, even when you want to show up like I do, I'm still not 100% as I would be in person. So what's the advice? The advice is really simple. Just get better in person. Get better in person. Bring more energy in person and transfer as much of that energy as possible back to online. And then finally, number three is audience engagement. So audience engagement just means, Stephen, that let's say I'm in person and you're there and the audience and I want your feedback. It's really easy to get it because you're right there. You're right in front of me. So we just go get a lunch. You say, hey, Brendan, I would have changed these three things and we're good. But online... There's a lot of friction. Like even the Zoom call, the Zoom call just ends, right? So because of that friction, you actually need to take time, extra time to call people in your audience and build relationships with them. If you want to get the feedback you need to make get, to get better at presenting. Oh, that's great advice. I Especially, you know, the... the First of all, I got to say this, you know, a lot of times when you do a webinar, that's not by a, someone who makes their livelihood out of it, but it's someone who's been forced into the situation to make it happen. A lot of times they're looking like over to the right or to the left because <laughs> they, they forgot that they need to look at the camera and not at the screen where they might have somebody looking back at them or something. And um, so I love that. But the energy level is the is the big thing there, because a lot of times, yeah, it's. I mean, it, that magician I was telling you about, he made the comment. He goes, you know, a magician's world, a lot of it is you do something and then people go, ooh, ah, and then they clap. He said, well, 
that doesn't really happen online. So you have to figure that out. And well, it's the same thing in like a teacher's classroom. I mean, you you really live for if you're engaged with the with the kids, then what's happening is you're expecting them at some point to to either like or you know say, oh, that was a terrible joke, or you know, to but to respond somehow as opposed to that crickets you know <laughs> you know it's just wow there's no response whatsoever so that's that's a tough part. that's got to be a tough part about doing the online part i mean it's just trying to keep that energy level up at uh up a notch or two but uh, good i st- agree good stuff good stuff so so let's talk real quick before i get into a couple other things so what about when when you work with people what's something that you like, I mean, what's it like working with Brendan on trying to help me get better at speaking? Of course, Stephen. So, so for me, you know what I always like to say, you know, let's start with my mission. My mission is to help every human being on earth to be a great speaker. That's what I want because nobody was able to share this information for free. You, you mentioned it actually indirectly. Man, I wish Brendan was here sharing these tips when I was younger because back then the only solution was Dale Carnegie's books. But the challenge, and there's nothing wrong with Dale's work. I mean, the guy's a prolific in the communication space. He was just born in the wrong time period of history, right? We don't know what he sounds like. We don't know what he speaks like. He's never been on a podcast. He doesn't know what a podcast is. He's never been on a YouTube channel because he died in like the 1900s. So, so because of that, I have an opportunity, and I take it very seriously, an opportunity to show up for the world. So after I'm gone, people can listen to my voice all they want. They can hear all the tips all they want, and, and that really creates meaning and fulfillment in my life. And then within that frame, there's a very small percentage of people who end up working with me. I probably can take like 100 to 200 clients out of maybe the tens of thousands of people who might follow me on social media or might listen to me on a podcast. And for those people, the benefit is more about personal training versus going to a gym. So when you go to a gym, you're paying, what, 80 bucks a month for membership, but there's no guarantee you'll get the result because a lot of people just pay for memberships and they don't really attend. Whereas when you hire a personal trainer, which is of course going to cost you more than 80 bucks a month, you're guaranteed the result because now you got to show up for somebody. So that's, that's my version. I'm just a really intense coach and I work with a lot of high level executives and CEOs doing the exact same things I'm telling you. But it says with me, I'm like a Navy, I'm like a, an army sergeant. They have to do the random exercises like a hundred times in two weeks. They have to do the video messages a hundred times in two weeks. And that's why they get better really quickly. That's awesome. Love it. So, so you got to share with us, you know, without names. I mean, what's, what's one of your greatest challenges you've had in doing this? Do you, do you have one of those that has a story that's just one of those things that you'll not forget and uh, trying to help someone do this better? For sure, Stephen. I would say that the one that is the most meaningful to me is is an introverted change maker. So an introverted change maker is someone who's already really smart, right? Really successful. Like the person I have in mind right now, she's the CEO of AIM Colors, right? She has a PhD in organic chemistry. She has a really interesting technology, which is instead of having women put on nail polish all the time, because it wastes a lot of time in their week, what they do instead, her, her tech, is they put uh, a little glass on each of the nails and you can use a mobile app to just change the colors to whatever you want. So you don't have to even buy nail polish. Anymore. It's a really fascinating technology. But she was scared about giving presentations, raising capital, hiring people, putting herself out there. 
So for her, the result was really easy, right? It's about pushing her, nudging her out of her comfort zone. And now she's crushing, right? She's raised a ton of money. She's hired employees. And now, now Aim Colors is really starting to become a name. But I think the in the space, but I think the big piece is when you take somebody who has everything else right, like who's a genius, who takes everything else right, but they just, they're scared to talk. Like they're scared to, to put themselves out there. So it's about, well, for her, it's not about pushing her too hard. It's just about slowly nudging her. Okay, we're not going to do the random word X's 100 times in two weeks. Can you do it once for me? Can you do it twice? And then eventually she gets to 100 times. And her having that confidence now to sit, to stand on stage and just demolish right, competitions and raise hundreds of thousands of dollars really makes me happy. That is so cool. It's, I appreciate you sharing that, especially because you know, one of the things you bring up is something that uh, – you know, I've heard friends and colleagues make the comment, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't, how am I going to do this? What do you say to them if they say something like that to you? They say, no, I, I'm just too shy or I, 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 this is not my world. Absolutely. So there's two parts to that. One is more aggressive. One is more uh, easier to digest. Let's start with the aggressive one, which is what about the person you want to ask on a date? What about the person you want to get on a job? Are you too shy for that too? No. We, why do we do that? We do it. Because the motivation is greater than the fear, right? There's so many things we're scared of, right? Getting a job, going to college, all that stuff. But we push through it because our motivation of not being broke exceeds the, the fear we might have of applying for a job and going to an interview. So that's one piece. Get over it. The other piece, which I think is more pragmatic, is understand your strengths, there's so many strengths that introverts have in communication that extroverts do not, that they don't know. So I'll list three. Number one, listening. Steven, introverts are way better at listening than extroverts because they talk less. Like me, I'd make a terrible podcast host. That's why I'm a guest because I yeah, I talk. That's why I blab. Like if I was a host, I would be so bad because I'd always interrupt people. And extroverts love to talk. But when you're an introvert, you take more time to digest what the other person is saying and you always hit the bullseye on what they're looking for because you're listening. That's one. Number two is introverts are much better at pausing. Pausing is the most important skill set, Stephen, when it comes to communication. The ability to take a breath and emphasize a key point in a message. Extroverts suck at this because whenever they're at a party, at a bar, at an event, and the proof is in the pudding with me, is when I'm talking to somebody and there's a space, I immediately want to fill it. Hey, Steve, what's your favorite color, right? I'm always trying to fill it. Whereas the introvert lives in silence because once again, they talk less. So it's easier for them to inject pauses into a way they convey their ideas. It's really easy to coach an introvert on that. And finally, number three, accessibility. This is not well understood. So let's say we take Gary Vaynerchuk and Brene Brown. So Gary V, for those who don't know, is like the CEO of Intermedia, has a massive social media brand. And the, the piece with Gary that I want to emphasize is you either love the guy or you don't. So you either go, wow, Gary's amazing. So I'm personally a big fan. I have a lot of respect for his work. And then there's other people who go, oh my God, this guy is not family friendly, swears all the time, he's crazy. I don't want to be around this guy. But then we have Brene Brown. Brene Brown, nobody in the world has said the following words. I hate Brene Brown. You can't say that. Because if you say that, the FBI, the CIA, the SWAT team is going <laughs> to come to you, take your whole family, you get the idea. So when you're introverted, you're actually more accessible to a wider group of people. So that's the key. 
I love that. And and I got to tell you, for those of you listening, so no excuses, man. No no, no excuses. You got the introverts easier to coach, and uh, you got reasons why uh, you should be very good at it. So I love that. Uh, you know, all right. So, Brandon, uh, one of the things I want to give you a chance to do is you, could you share about your live free 90-minute training on effective com- uh, communication that you offer? Absolutely, Stu. First of all, it's so great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. And yes, so there's two ways to keep you in touch. The first one is what you mentioned, which is we do a free communication workshop every two weeks that's live over Zoom, and I facilitate that call myself. So you get to see me apply all of the tips we talked about today, and it's free. So there's eight-year-olds who come to that call. There's CEOs of massive companies who come to that call. Literally, it's a party that everyone's invited to. So if you want to jump on that call, just go to rockstarcommunicator.com. That's one piece and then of course the second way to keep in touch is our youtube channel just go to master talk in one word and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak that's awesome and as a note i've watched and i've listened and i've done all kinds of things. it's good stuff and i'm looking forward to to attending my my time to, to be that training too but the the videos are just uh, just really powerful and you've got uh, um i i do have to i got to tell you you got a presence it really works well for those uh, those reels and for those youtube videos so uh, kudos to you kudos um, Thank you so much. No, you're welcome. All right, so I got two last questions I want to ask you, and th- it goes like this. Um, these are just questions I like to ask my guests. The first one is is this, Brennan. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Absolutely, Stephen. Here's the way I've done this. I believe, that, as Tony Robbins says best, the quality of your life is solely determined by the quality of the questions that you dare to ask yourself about life. So what's my version of this? My version of this, Stephen, is if you ask yourself one hard question every single day for 30 days, you'll never be the same human being ever again because you'll gain clarity of your life that then pushes you and motivates you to do the thing. That's why for me, one of those questions that I encourage the people I work with to ask is who suffers from your inability to take action every day? I had every excuse in the book not to start Master Talk. I was a kid, no money. I had a great job at IBM, right? Phenomenal six-figure job. If I just stayed there for 10 years, I would have done very well financially. And, you know, like, I'm still a kid. I can start Master Talk in my 30s. I can wait. So why didn't I wait? Why did I have that urgency? Because I thought about the seven-year-old girl who can't afford a communication coach. The next Elon Musk. The next Oprah Winfrey. Who's taking care of that person? Because that person can't afford a communication coach. So I had two options. Number one, I make the videos. Because nobody else in my age bracket has the skill set I do in this space. Because I, I matured really quick in this, in communication. Or... Nobody makes the videos. So that pain of not serving that seven-year-old girl, even on my lowest days, even on the days I don't want to do it, even on the days that I'm not feeling it, always lifts me and pushes me back up to execute because I know my time's running out on all of us and it's always ticking. So that's my advice. Excellent. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, Last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? I have too many, but if I had to pick one, I would pick my business partner, Vamsi Polimetla, who's the CEO and founder of Make More Leaders, and he's also my personal coach. I think the reason why he tops that list is because he believed in me when I didn't even believe in myself, right? Like I was, like I said, you know, I say it a lot, but yeah, like I was a kid when I started Master Talk, and I told him that, and he looked at me and he said, you do realize you can charge thousands of dollars for executive coaching, and I said, there's no way I could do that, and he said, yeah, I'll be your first client. 
And that just belief in me is something money just can't buy. When someone genuinely is rooting for you and encouraging you to succeed, that's probably the biggest thing he's done for I mean, there's hundreds. We could have a whole podcast just about how much pharmacy has changed my life. But I would say that's the most important one. And I'm really lucky that he chose to bet on me. That is awesome. That's so cool. I, I, I'm about to finish out. Before I do, I gotta, I gotta ask you: Do you speak in front? I mean, do you go and talk to places, and, and not just online? Do you, do you, uh, do they engage you to to come out and talk to an audience of, you know, a bunch of people or five? I mean, do, do you do stuff like that? I do. I do. It's very rare though. That's why I say it's 10% of the business today. So most of that is not really keynoting. I'll go to big corporations like an IBM as an example, or a telecom company. And I'll give like a, a private workshop to let's say 50 or 20 of their top executives. That's primarily what I do is corporate workshops. Very cool. Very cool. I can, I can imagine. And I can imagine they just, I mean, it's, this is so cool what you do. So, uh, Brennan, I can't think enough. Uh, thanks so much for talking with me today. Master Talk is awesome. Whether we are learning to become a public speaker on a circuit or just trying to improve our skills for when we will be in front of others. I mean, what you teach is, is so truly powerful and helping um, people become better public speakers, better communicators. Wishing you the best in all you do. Thanks, Stephen. Such a pleasure. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.